Hey y'all, it's your girl Keith the Kentucky, and we are back on our bullshit. I know we was gonna be talking about some new year, new me. Nope. I am still on the same bullshit of 2019. I've tweaked it a bit. I'm gonna do a little bit better this year. I'm gonna keep a clear focus. I'm gonna try to be as optimistic and positive as possible. That's what I'm gonna provide to you guys as a resolution in 2020. I'm gonna continue to try at the very least to be consistent, Um, but we're gonna do our best (laughs) this year. Um, I came back, this is a portion of the program where I tell you things about myself and you either skip to the juicy shit or you continue to ride on this personal journey with me of sharing shit with you guys. But I returned from Texas, I had a great time there, I was allowed to be lazy. Shout out to my mother-in-law, she's God sent. Um, I slept in a few days. I sat by their pool. I reflected. I tried to think about all the things that I wanted to do and uh, and get finished this next year. And I was able to do that. And also simultaneously had a great time, fellowship with family and eat great, amazing food. Shout out to Texas. Whataburger, I did not get to see you, but Raisin Cane, Taco Cabana, I really fucks with y'all and the food that y'all provided me. I also got an opportunity to try out the uh, the Popeye's chicken sandwich, which there was no hype involved. The shit is absolutely delicious. I didn't get it in August when the hype was super up. I waited um, until I got a good time to just really sit with my sandwich and eat that bitch. And it was delicious. It was the greatest thing I tasted in 2019. No cap. I said it. Oh, shit. She said it properly. Because you know what? The kids are making lingo now. And, you know, sometimes you don't really know how you're supposed to use that shit. It's okay. We're going to talk about a few things. This is going to be one of our messy episodes. We're back on our bullshit again. I thank you for everybody who reached out and was able to connect with me on a personal level for last episode, but we're going to be messy now. And I hope you're ready. This is season two of So There's That, the podcast. Strap in. We're going to cuss a lot. So, okay, you guys, we're going to get into the mess. This is my favorite part of the episode. We're just going to talk about a few things. Um, I really wanted to do a recap of messy shit at the end of the year. But as you guys know, I wanted to expound on my experiences and things that I learned from 2019. So now we're just going to get into some shit. Um, Some of the latest news to happen here and some of my thoughts on pop culture and some movies, some documentaries, and things of that nature. That's the things that we're going to talk about right now. You're going to hear Keep the Kentucky's thoughts about this shit. And the first thing that I want to talk about is our Netflix, um, our uploads that we've gotten. We've gotten a lot of great fucking content from Netflix, and they feel the burn because, you know, Disney Plus is out there now. Do you have Disney Plus? I do because I'm a Verizon customer. So, um, yes, and also to add on to Disney Plus, even though we're talking about Netflix, this is probably the problem that Netflix has because uh, <laughs> you could put all these streaming apps together, right? But I've been watching they drop Proud Family, in case you were wondering, because when they initially dropped Disney Plus, Proud Family wasn't on there. And we was up in 
arms because why not? Like what's going on? So it's finally on there in case you were wondering, but let's get back to Netflix. Netflix dropped a lot of great content for us here in the past few months, uh, the last month, really. We got so many different things and I want to talk about one or a few of them in particular. The first one that I binged watched while I was on my Christmas break was You. Now, if you don't know too much about You, You is centered around Joe Goldberg, okay? And he is apparently a handsome white man. <laughs> I'm, I watched season two. I don't really see it, but now that I've kind of researched him as an actor, what is his name? Pete Bagley or something like that? Super white, super Caucasian, super suburban. Um, but now that I know him as an individual, as an actor, I really fuck with him because I'm watching you and I'm like, I don't get it because I'm looking at Twitter and I'm looking at Instagram and all these girls are like, you know what? I really fuck with, go, uh, with uh, Joe, even though he's crazy as fuck. And I'm like, what? <laughs> I never saw it. I never understood it. But until I got to know him as, or I uh, virtually got to know him as an individual and how he did a slight clap back to Gina Rodriguez when they were doing an actor to actor interview. Go look that up on Twitter. It was some really good shit. He corrected her. And I think the entire universe has been waiting for someone to clap at Gina on a public forum, on a, um, uh, a public platform, as you were. So it was good to see. But anyways, let's get to the you. So I watched the second season. The first season is wrapped around this young, handsome white man in New York. And he meets this woman and he's immediately obsessed. And it starts to unravel and show the amount of obsession that this man has towards this woman who he is essentially targeted and planned this whole life for them. But along the way, this motherfucker is just killing people and shit. And it gets really crazy and nutty. I'm not going to read. Um, <laughs> I'm not going to ruin the season for anybody who wants to watch um, first and second season. But if you watch the previews, I haven't given much of a spoiler. Don't get your panties in a bunch about it. The motherfucker is a stalker. And that is what it's called. And it's what's, what it's based off of. I think it's based off a book called Hidden Bodies, which I'm kind of intrigued to go ahead and give a, a, a read because, you know, the book is always better. But the actor in the season does a really great job of emulating this charming yet possessive, crazy uh, hilarious. Joe Goldberg is hilarious. Okay. His inner thoughts are always fucking uh, hysterical. Like the, the, the shit that he says and thinks is crazy, but he's extremely intelligent. Um, he has this mastermind and he thinks of several steps of ahead half the time. So season two, there is this, um, this, this loop that's thrown, this is boomerang that is thrown his way. And he has to maneuver through that while also, you know, going through the motions with somebody else who he's also met again. And if you watch season one, you'll see why it's a different individual. And um, it was really crazy. To, I, I think I want to go ahead and say here, spoiler alert, guys, probably fast forward through the next five minutes or so of the program because I'm about to spoil some shit. 
okay, so I'm gonna be real with y'all if y'all still listening. So season one, this motherfucker then found Guinevere Beck, who he lovingly refers to as Beck, was this aspiring author who lives in New York, who walks around our house with the windows and no curtains and just be naked as fuck and masturbating and shit all over the goddamn place. Anyways, I think that's how he found her. And he ended up getting in this relationship and he was able to manipulate the whole thing while also hiding these secrets from his past, which we come to find out that he didn't murder all sorts of people. He murdered her best friend. He murdered her boyfriend so he can get in that motherfucking circle. Um, and who else did he murder? It was three people, right? It was one more. Mm, I can't remember. Oh, he, he murdered back at the end. So you go through this like roller coaster of is he gonna get caught? Is she gonna get him or whatever? Keeps these people in this um, glass box in the bottom of the the basement of the the um what is where does he work? This bookstore that he works at. It's absolutely crazy. So you finish the end. He ends up killing Beck because Beck then went upstairs in the damn bathroom and found like this box of keepsakes that he keeps from the people that he done fucked over which we come to find out that he really didn't kill homegirl that she found the stuff in but um yeah it got really nuts and we meet candace who is somebody who he thought he killed and ended up not really finishing the job so that leads us into season two where Candace is like, motherfucker, look, <laughs> you thought you had killed me, but what I'm going to do now is I'm going to make your life a living hell, B. While at the same time, Joe then found his next target. He meets this girl named Love and uh, he falls in love. Essentially, he's already planned out the love. He met her in a grocery store and they just hit it off and he ends up working at their bookstore and she's a cook and he also meets this fly ass like landlord named Delilah who is also like somebody who I think she was either a journalist or wrote for the blogs or something like that. And she has a little sister named Ellie who is totally obsessed with social media like the kids are. And it's Hollywood, they've moved from LA. So now the scenery has moved from New York, some other high intense place to another high intense place which is set in LA. So you follow them throughout this series. He's going through it. He's trying to say his love, but Joe has also got this thing for Delilah and it gets crazy. But the kicker is <sighs> major spoiler alert. Feel free to fast forward. Is that love is a crazy bitch too. Literally. <laughs> I got to the end and that bitch was like, now, a lot of stuff happened in between here, but I'm not about to give y'all a full breakdown of you season two. Um, you're going to have to watch it. You're going to have to look back at those things. That's fine. I also went through a, a rabbit hole of YouTube Easter eggs for you season two and found that a whole lot of different things. And I'm like that. I did that with the movie Us. I did it with Get Out. I found all sorts of stuff. But um, yeah, man. Joe met his match and she was like, bet, like <laughs> you play ball, I play ball too, bro. <laughs> you ain't going nowhere, hunty. <laughs> you is mine and I'm as yours out this bitch. So love, the, the girl's name is love, by the way. Apparently there's some kind of tennis reference. Love and her brother's name is 40. They have some weird intense relationship. 40 apparently killed somebody when they was growing up and, um, 
No, love killed that person, but it was always perceived to be 40 and he took the rap for it. And she didn't know that he knew that she had did that shit. And that came out in the end as well. But love almost got killed. But she threw out that she's talking about having a baby. <laughs> Joe was like, shit, like I cannot off this bitch because she's pregnant because there's no way. The funny thing about it is Joe cannot take his same energy at all. You would have thought that they would have been a, a match made in heaven, but you have to think about the, the cause of his obsession with people is the control. I think when they show flashbacks, when he was a kid, he was like a lot of shit that was happening around him was beyond his control. And just like any abusive relationship, um, he was able to set the tone in those obsessions and that stalkery that he was fucking going on with. And with love, he was he's unable to control or dictate the situation anymore, which makes for, you know, this motherfucker feels boxed now. He he absolutely has to feel boxed because he has no control. So at the end of the season, you are thinking maybe Joe does feel like, you know what, I done found my match. We gonna be two serial killers out this bitch with a serial serial killer baby. It's really gonna be lit. He done moved into a house. The parents are loaded. Um, Love's parents are loaded. Plenty of money, don't gotta worry about shit. She pregnant, out on the porch, waving hello. She really thinks she's in love. She's obsessed still. And Joe go in the backyard and guess what? He done found the new victim. And that is how the season ends. I know that my review of that was all over the place. I hope you're still rocking with me at this point. I'm sorry if I spoiled it for you, but I did tell you, I said spoiler alert. And uh, so you was absolutely great binge watch for me. I can't wait to see the next season. Um, it's going to be ridiculous. I don't know how they're going to intertwine in this third person in love in Joe's relationship. Um, I, I foresee a lot of killing going on <laughs> on love's behalf, unless Joe waits till the baby's born, kills her, and then does what he wants to do. But I feel like he's going to feel the need to keep love around because how you going to multitask being a serial killer and a daddy at the same time, you need somebody to watch the baby, right? <laughs> it was a good season. I liked it. I, I just thought I, it was very weird for y'all to say that y'all liked him. <laughs> I'm looking on social media and I'm, you know, Joe's cat, he a cool dude. You know, he aight. You know, I'm like, hell no. Nah. Like, Y'all the reason these motherfuckers be getting off in real life. Like, chill out. Look at the fact that he didn't kill five people so far. <laughs> He's a murderer. Okay. <laughs> that was crazy. So that was you. Another Netflix series that I really want to talk about um, that I can feel myself going on a tangent about is Kevin Hart. Um, okay. <laughs> Kevin Hart released. We go to make notes. He released a documentary entitled Don't Fuck This Up. And right next to it, I'm looking online, it says season one. Do we need a season two? Can y'all answer that for me? Who all watched? I hope you guys all watched. I didn't, against my own choice, 
I watched <laughs> Don't Fuck It Up. My husband wanted to watch it. I was in the room. I said, fuck it. I'm going to watch this show. I really don't care for Kevin Hart because I've told y'all once, I'll tell you twice, and I'll continue to tell you is that I peep fucking auras and energy. And I never fucking liked Kevin Hart. I, feel, I always felt what was provided for me to see in the flesh in this documentary. Now, um, first and foremost, it's a scam. <laughs> okay. It's a scam. It was, um, definitely here to soothe our egos because he dealt with a lot of public disarray last year. He dealt with the Oscar shit, which he gets into there. He dealt with infidelity. And the one thing that they didn't really quite touch on at all was the car wreck. Now, I want to let you guys know that the last two episodes, I got up and got my ass some Whataburger or some Taco Cabana. One of those two. I was like, you know, that this is not interesting for me anymore. And it started to get almost upsetting and irritating once I got to certain portions of the season. So what Kevin is trying to convey to us is that he's just this grown little man. He's grown. He's humble. He don't worry about what people got to say about him. He just does him. There's a portion in the documentary where they were talking about, um, they, they were actually talking about what was the movie night school. They were talking about the movie Night School. It came out that was um, casted along with uh, Tiffany Haddish as well. And I saw the movie. It wasn't horrible, but it was pretty much, it was a Kevin Hart movie. Kevin Hart plays exactly the same role in every movie that he plays in. With the exception of there was one that he played. It was a serious role. And I still, I have a want to see that and I can't think of what the movie is called but I did want to go see that movie however any other comedy movie Kevin Hart is playing Kevin Hart Kevin Hart is playing Kevin Hart with maybe a different lineup okay some different clothing um coming from a different place but essentially at his core he is playing the same motherfucker so I've never been really that I've never been super excited to see anything that he's been in. So the, he was getting back to that. He was looking at the critics reviews of the, the movie Night School. And there was one critic that was like really going at this dude's head and was like, this shit suck. This is not going to do great. And of course, because we support Kevin Hart <laughs> and he's like really for a minute, he's almost the Nicki Minaj of comedy, of black comedy at this point to me, um, where he's he's crossover and he's really got a big white based audience now, but he started down, you know, he has Soul Plane. <laughs> and for some odd reason, black folks, we really fucked with Soul Plane and I'm so disappointed. Like, what was it? Every time Soul Plane comes on, on BET, I'm like, this is the shit that we, this is the shit that needs to come on BET every three minutes or like, this is a horrible movie. This is fucking atrocious. I hate that movie. Anyways, getting back to the fucking critics. <laughs> Somebody said, Hey, this movie sucks, right? I felt like I was going on a point, but I lost it. Are you still with me? I lost it. Where was it at? Anyways, the critics review said this movie sucks, this ain't gonna be shit, you ain't about shit, you'll never be shit. And the reviews come out, or the actual ratings, how are they movies again? I forgot. 
the box office. The box office comes out. It was a great fucking movie, apparently. A lot of people went to go see that. We support the fuck out of Kevin Hart. And Kevin just went on this tangent about, I don't care what they say. They write what they want to write, blah, blah, blah. It is. It's nothing. It's dust off my shoulders. Whatever. So this motherfucker goes back to the fucking article, looks up dude's name, finds his contact information, and ships him champagne with a message about the success of his movie, which totally contradicted what the fuck you just said. If you don't care, you don't care. But no, you are using up your assistance time to go search all over the world for this goddamn critic that wrote a bad review about your movie so that you can then spend your own money what, I think he sent like a $1,000, $10,000 bottle? Bruh, come on, dog. A $10,000 bottle, I might be off on those numbers, to this dude to celebrate the movie. Now, if that isn't an egotistical, prideful, dumb fucking money move, I don't know what is. Kevin Hart, you're full of shit. You're full of shit. Dog, seriously? That's not even, okay, so it's that. The one thing I liked was the relationship he showed with his father, who he needs to go to therapy about, <laughs> who he has a lot of issues about because he tried to convey to the audience that, hey, man, I'm good. I'm grown up for this. I realized my dad wasn't there. It's all good in the hood. We going to make it. We going to make it. And I'm like, no, bro, you need to go sit down with somebody and talk about that. His father, you know, he battled cancer and now he's had CPO, uh, COPD. And the man likely, you know, he needs to make it right with his dad before anything happens, right? Because this that disease is intense, okay? And so I liked, I liked seeing that interaction with him. I liked seeing the interaction with him and his adorable kids. Um, Kenzo looks like a little grown man and his dad looks like a grown little man. It's really a match made in heaven. Um, Enigma essence um, leads me to my second rant. Everything about her portion of that interview in the documentary was written by Kevin. <laughs> They got into this long thing about how they met and they left out all the details about how they met. But they was at, she was adamant about saying, I would never sad chick. I would never, I would never sleep with somebody else's husband. I just could never do that. And, uh, you know, a lot of people have this saying about, you know, what you do comes to the light. And if you cheat with you, you gonna cheat on you and shit like that. Well, I mean, the waterworks began to happen because we got into the portion of the program where we're talking about all the shit that was in the news media, that was on Baller Alert, that was on The Shade Room, Hollywood Unlocked. Um, yeah, Kevin had definitely cheated on her while she was like 54 pre uh, months pregnant. <laughs> and it's not funny at all. But what she, can, what she went on to say was, it was absolutely hilarious because I was like, well, okay. Well, here's what she said. I'm paraphrasing. She said, I'm just kind of, I'm glad that he cheated. It just made him a better man. I'm going to leave some white air or white noise. I'm scratching my head. I'm uh, doing a lot of confused things right now because there's no way on God's green earth that you would ever catch me say that about my husband if you decided to cheat on me. 
You're gonna hear about a lot of slow singing, a lot of flower bringing. And if I decided to forgive them, then bet, that's okay, that's your choice. You have the absolute choice to do that. You, Enigma, Essence, I don't know her name. I don't know how to say that name. I'm not gonna say it. Um, Elote, um, you decided to say, because you love your husband and or you love the money. And I'm not mad at either one of those, but they'll sit up here and lie to me that while you were 104 months pregnant, that you were happy that he cheated because it, it, at the end of the day, it made him a better man. I'm gonna have to stop you right there. You a motherfucking lie. I know you fucking lying, okay? No way, on, if you couldn't pay me, my husband would put that script in front of my fucking face and I was, I bet the fuck we, you, I don't know, you're gonna have to put somebody to do a voiceover because I'm not saying it. <laughs> you ain't gonna have me lying to all these people. You not be, many people gonna pick up and watch this damn documentary have me talk about, I was happy that you cheated so you could be a better man. Absolutely not. Moving on to the next point on why Kevin Hart is full of shit is the fact that, and this is the part that really messed me up, that I was like, you know what, Kevin? You have confirmed all my thoughts about your fuckisms, okay? I don't know what fuckisms are, are or the definition about it, but make it work for you. Um, Kevin, at a portion in the program, is talking to his trainer, who is this very big, nice looking guy. Um, I think of all the assistants and friends and trainers and stuff that Meg the Stallions do wins. I don't know who he is. Between him and the baby's security, I think they're on the runner up of, you know, the entourage come up. But Kevin Hart's trainer is definitely in the running. Um, he trains with him. He was a shoulder to cry on or vent to when Kevin was going through the public humiliation of being found out for cheating. There was a video that was going around when that happened. And all besides that, this, this motherfucker encourages him in the gym. Um, they're on this private jet and they are just chilling and it looks like some drinks have been flowing and a lot of egos are out here in the air. And Kevin gets to talking his shit. And he's like, I can't remember what he said, but it's around these words, okay? So bear with me. He was like, so, so how'd you get your house? How did you get your house? How did you get your house? And he's talking to his trainer because his trainer's trying to make it be known. I'm like, hey, dude, look, I was somebody out here in these streets before I met you, before I started running with your little ass and your short legs and shit out here. I got to slow up my step on the run so you could be up here with me. What you talk about? I had my own shit. I had my own name. And Kevin was making it clear that he was throwing his money and his position and power in his friend's face as if to say, like, if it wasn't for me, you wouldn't be shit. And I had a real big problem with that because I know at the time he was being blackmailed apparently by one of the people in his circle. So he had his guard up, his wall up about the people around him. But at the same time, bro, you're gonna have to slow your roll talking to me like that. Look at you and look at me because I really can fuck you up. And I'm thinking like, this is the trainer's mind. He's gotta be. So the camera, um, it, some kind of altercation had happened at that point. And apparently once Kevin had sobered up, he sent to the group chat about um, 
how he fucked up. You know, it was a lot of that. There was a lot of um, a, a, a very empty apologies coming from Kevin Hart about the Oscars and his comments about um, the LGBT community, about his wife, about how he spoke to his trainer. And then there was one more thing that I wanted to talk about. I'm mad because it literally just slipped my mind. I have five minutes before this portion of the episode ends because of my recording. Damn it. Damn it. Mm, I missed it. Oh, there were so many things about this. It was so troubling and it was just fake. What was it? I'm going to beat myself up because I'm probably going to have to close out anyways. <laughs> and I can't remember. But anyway, since I can't remember, I'm going to read to you guys a few critic reviews from um, Rotten Tomatoes. Ian Thomas Malone says, Don't Fuck This Up is a self-indulgent vanity project designed to sell Kevin Hart as a brand. A superficial six-episode commercial with little debt. Concur. Roger Moore says, six episodes of Hart and sincerely trying to convince us of how sincere and humble he really is. Also, concur. Lastly, Sean L. McCarthy says, Hart turned 40 this July, but everything he's done this year from his Netflix special to this docuseries has teased us for rep rev revelations that do not come. Yes, he said a little about, he said a lot about nothing. He said a lot about nothing. He did a lot of pussyfooting around and tiptoeing around some things that he really could have expounded on. Um, he really could have led us in his life in a different way. He could have been honest and upfront with us. And he didn't. It did not. It did not do anything for me. Now, some people enjoy him because people enjoy Kevin Hart, the comedian. But when you start looking at who he is as an individual after all the things that I've said also missing a probably great subject matter that I, it's, my brain is just not working right now. I can't remember and I should have wrote it down. With all those things noted, <laughs> this motherfucker's crazy. Like something wrong with him. And we didn't even get into the car wreck, which I know, I feel like this documentary was something to keep that quiet. And I feel like a lot of people looked at this because they wanted to see details or at the very least see his recovery um, period after that. Now, after seeing the reviews and stuff and seeing that there, this is season one, are we going to get a season two? Not sure. I'm not looking forward to it because I brief the people and I address the mess. I'm probably going to watch it <laughs> just so we could talk about it. But I'm not pleased about Kevin Hart. I don't have a lot of great positive things to say about him. I hope he does better. I hope he looks himself in the mirror. And if he loves his wife and that's his rib, that he actually starts appreciating that. Okay. Shout out to Tori Hart, by the way. Let's get into the next subject. All right, y'all, we're going to get into a speed round, hopefully, because y'all know I like to go on tangents and be very long-winded about certain things, but I went pretty long with this last portion. We're already at about a half hour within to the episode, so let's keep this thing. I'm really back in my fucking bag, guys. It feels good. Anyways, I wanted to talk a little bit about surviving R. Kelly. We did a part two. Was it necessary, guys? 
I didn't even finish and that tells you all you need to know. It wasn't really necessary, but it did give us a little bit of a deeper dive into R. Kelly. I feel like it was trying to play onto some sympathy shit that I wasn't really here for. Um, you're not gonna make me feel bad about R. Kelly. Um, another thing it made me see on social media is that people are still in their own fucking feelings about um, not listening to his music anymore and feeling some type of way about that. I guess, guys, I have not listened or wanted to listen to R. Kelly since I saw it last year. And remember, I apologize to the masses, even though I didn't have to, um, about my defense of R. Kelly because I was like, y'all, he really is the king of R&B out here. There's no way that this thing could stand in front of the fact that he has created all these amazing works of music. And then I watched the series and I was like, whoa, bitch, calm down. <laughs> that motherfucker's crazy, he's sick, and he needs to finally go to jail, which I think we're moving towards right now. So a lot of the episodes from what I watched, um, we got to talk to, I believe, Dominic or Dominique, the one, if you watched last season, her mother went out to LA in order to try to pretty much recapture her daughter. And she finally left on her own accord. She did go back for a spill. And she said it was mainly because she wanted to converse with Joy and Azriel, who were other two, two other girls that were in uh, the sister circle, if you will, of R. Kelly and his sister wives. Uh, so she went back. You know, she felt like she left him behind. And then she eventually went back to her, her mom. It was heartbreaking to see her portion of the program because you could tell that she has really been through a lot of shit. Apparently her mother had stated that she was one of the rebels within that group. So a lot of the time she was being punished or disciplined by R. Kelly and the entourage and the people around him, even though there would be people that would see what was going on. And if he would keep her from eating, then they would bring in water and food to her. And the fact that he had all these people around her, I think we've taken the proper steps by arresting R. Kelly after all these many years. Um, but what we need to do is really take a look at his camp and these motherfuckers need to go to jail too. Um, just another few things learned from the Surviving the Series or not Surviving, so that was the name of my podcast. If you would like to look at that and get it caught up on last season, then you're free to do that. Surviving the Series on So There's That. But um, on the on this season here, season two of Surviving R. Kelly, um, we also met some, uh, her his hair braider who spoke about, she pretty much had his back and she was hired a little bit after he uh, he was uh, charged for the, the initial charge that he had against him um, for the, you know, the peeing, the go to the shower thing, you know, that's, I don't know, really a proper way to, say that um but she had started working for him after that and she found herself in a lot of predicaments where she had to defend r kelly and it got to a point where uh she was targeted by him and she was alone with him and he pretty much flipped the scripts uh flipped the script or flipped the switch on her or he did for her i'm sorry i'm giving it tongue tied and um pretty much sexually assaulted her. Um, and you know, that was it for her. And she went to go file this lawsuit against him or get charges brought. And it was this big, crazy thing because they had to pretty much confirm that she even knew anything that she was even in the circle because the people around him was saying, we don't even know this broad. <laughs> like this, 
girl said that she looked at him like a brother. She defended him. And it was just a real big deal to her um, that um, people even made those types of allegations against him until it happened to her. And I, you know, she was young too, but I was kind of looking at her like, girl, why would you work for this man while he has all this shit going on? Understanding she was a single parent and she was upping her clientele as a hairstylist because she's working for R. Kelly now. Um, and I had to look at that because I was like, girl, why? And she's also seeing this other side of R. Kelly, which is what abusers do is manipulate the view. So I ended up, I, I, you know, I felt very genuinely sad and heartbroken for her because, um, you know, all of these guys, they go up and do these lawsuits or get the charges brought and then it gets dismissed and they say, hey, do the civil lawsuit and sue. Um, and she's like, well, it wasn't about the money. I just wanted somebody to believe me and help me. And I needed him to, I wanted him to get charged with a crime. Um, so apparently R. Kelly had this one specific lawyer that everybody gets sent to when they have these allegations against them, they pay them off. They sign an NDA, which is a non-disclosure agreement, which means they can't talk. And there were several different people, um, that, um, were, had signed these and they broke that agreement. I believe that Geronda Pace, hopefully I said her name right, another victim of his um, also signed one and they broke it when they came forward last year and said, hey, we need anybody who has thought has had any kind of situations where R. Kelly come forward so we can build our case. And they did that. They started doing interviews and really just building up this whole thing of muting R. Kelly and finally getting this motherfucker locked up. <laughs> so, um, Speaking of R. Kelly, that was pretty much that. I, I thought it was kind of unnecessary. I, I think if they're going to go for a part three, which they shouldn't, is they need to um, maybe um, include or uh, disclude, actually, her his brother, the one that's locked up. He had nothing to add. He sounded a plum fool. I didn't understand his presence. We don't need him. He only makes... R. Kelly, if they're trying to, well, you know what? They might as well keep it. Cause I was about to say, if they're trying to make R. Kelly look credible, then they probably should remove him. But that is the point of the series. So maybe keep this nigga around. Anyways, um, apparently jo Jocelyn or Joycelyn Savage and Asriel McClary or Clary, those are the two girls that were still standing strong. I don't know if you've watched the Gail King interview and saw those two girls. There was one for R. Kelly and then they were talking about the girls that he still had around and they were adamant about their defense about R. Kelly. Well, as of two days ago, they got into it on IG. I, I, I have this feeling inside of me to go ahead and follow them, but I don't want to contribute to that mess. <laughs> I'll wait until the shade room posted and I'll get my I'll get my insights from there. Even though I do want to kind of catch some kind of tea. Um, it looks as if and this is how I interpret it because it was a lot of mess going on. Um, they're standing in the Trump Tower somewhere in Chicago, I believe, or wherever they're at. And Asriel and jo uh, Joy, I'm gonna call her Joy because I keep screwing up her name, got into some kind of dispute with each other. It looks like Joy is still trying to be loyal to R. Kelly and Asriel's trying to get the fuck up out of Dodge. And they got into an altercation. They started fighting. Asriel made it clear that she wanted to get Joy locked up. Um, I think she succeeded in that. Or at the very least, Joy went and turned herself in. And then Azriel started to make claims that she is going to let the shit loose. So 
you didn't hear it here first because I'm sure you've read about it somewhere, but if you did hear it here first, we're going to assume that there's going to be more shit that's pretty much confirmed. Azriel is so young in her thought process that she's the last one to fucking know. Like, girl, we already on the same page. I'm glad you made it to us. I hope you want to go home and be with your family and also apologize to the motherfuckers because you've been doing nothing but slandering them, knowing that R. Kelly is the one that's got you that way. But I'm not going to sit here and victim blame because if she was in that situation where R. Kelly, the, there's a strong likelihood that he was behind all of this shit. And the fact that he's been locked up is probably giving her some source of freedom and free thinking and, and, and feeling like, I don't got to do this shit anymore. This motherfucker's locked up. Why am I still protecting him? So hopefully that is what it is. That's what it's going to be. I said it was going to be a short round. Look at me. This is nine minutes in. We're going to talk about a few more things, guys. And then I'm going to get out of here. I saw a video the other day. Um, I didn't have it on loud, but I saw it and it made me cringe. Y'all know I'm about nine months into my sister-like journey. So I've been natural. I have been natural since before then, but um, I was hiding my natural hair up under wigs. So I would get these lace front rigs. I would braid my hair down. I would look like Kawhi Leonard out here in these streets. And I would throw a wig on. I would live my best life. Um, but April of last year, I don't know what the April last year, um, I got my sister locks installed. And so I've been living my best natural life. You know, it just feels really good to wake up in the morning to put your own hair in the ponytail, to bundle up, put a scrunchie on that bitch and just carry on the day. And I have to worry about anything, be able to wear it in my uniform, uh, just be carefree. And, you know, it's been amazing for me. I saw this video going around of it looked like a girl with this, you know, she had her uh, afro and she went into work and just, it was two white people around her just picking at her hair. And it made me extremely uncomfortable. And I'm pretty sure you've seen it at this point. I think I would have swatted somebody's hand away immediately doing that. You just don't, you're not gonna put your whole hand in my fucking hair. I get the intrigue, people. It stands up. It's miraculous. It does its own thing. It maneuvers the way it absorbs water, the way it doesn't absorb water sometimes. We've got magic in our hair. So I understand the intrigue. But what you're not going to do is stick your whole fucking hand in my hair. It's just not going to happen. We're not going to... We're not gonna act like this. We're gonna have some cooth, okay? We're going to act like we ain't never seen black hair before. Cause you have, you have. If you have a TV, you've seen it. I know it's crazy. I know you really want to touch it, but you can't. And that's my rant on that. Um, I don't want to see it. Don't do it. White folks, I love you. I care about you so much. Don't do that shit. Do not touch black girls' hair, black men's hair, beards. Random hair, I don't care if you, I don't, don't do that. We not doing that to you. Stop petting us like we some goddamn animals. We is not animals. We is human beings. That's my hair. Leave it alone. Is we straight or not? It's not, I'm not mad, but I'm not sad neither. I don't know what that means, but I don't want you touching my goddamn hair. How about that? Just trying to be with you out here in the street. Next thing real quick. Um, <laughs> is you trying to have a love like Meghan and Prince Harry? 
I saw on Twitter, Megan the Markle, and I just about died because look at this bitch. You really thought you was gonna have a hot girl summer? Mm-mm. Mm-mm. You need to have whatever a a, a duchess fucking winner. I don't know. <laughs> you need to have one of them. Do you see how she she Harry? Did you really just say I ain't even trying to be a prince no more? Try to be my my queen. I ain't trying to work for the queen. I want my own queen. I want us to live in our happiness. I want us to be good. I care about her mental health. Dog, there was a few months ago that I saw a video that hurt my soul um, that Meghan Markle did, or Duchess Markle. Well, I don't know what she goes by. And she was talking about pretty much that, you know, she was having a hard time after she had a baby. She had just had a baby. Baby's probably last six months now. And the the journalist had asked her, said, hey, girl, you okay? And she was like, you know what? Nobody ever asked me that shit. Thank you so much. It got very emotional. And if you follow, if you're my age, be 32 next month, you know that the British paparazzi is nothing to fucking play with. They killed Princess Diana. Okay. They, they're that type. So there's no kind of way for her to, her to have any kind of peace or, um, privacy where she is and in the elevation level that she is as the Duchess and Prince Harry is like you trying to do this she's like nah I ain't really trying to do this no more he's like bet let's move to Canada so that's what they're doing and I just I I know everybody's trying to make these motherfuckers goals they're going through whatever they're going through but I think it is um it is something to see that he would step down from that position of power and support her. Now, I don't know what the reason it really may be, I'm assuming, because they really haven't released any statements. They just said, look, we in the fuck out of Dodge. We out this bitch. We ain't trying to be in, in, in England anymore. So we're going to leave and go to Canada. <laughs> and so the public is making their own perception about this thing. But if, from my perspective, I see that he is really just trying to be in support of her, um, move to her neck of the woods. I believe she's originally from Canada. And just really, you know, go with the flow. And he's maybe, he maybe don't fuck with the whole queendom, kingdom shit. He ain't really, because it looks like everybody that does ends up with a receding hairline. Y'all see what Prince Charles look like. Y'all see what um, Prince Williams look like. They, they full of infidelities and they got receding hairlines. And I don't think that Prince Harry wants no parts. He wants to kill, keep that full luscious head of red hair. Okay, his beautiful uh, wife and they kid and they trying to live this normal life. I think that's from what I get. That's just, that's my, what I see. And I wish them the best. Uh, Madame Tussauds, you can suck it. Uh, <laughs> they immediately took down their um, wax figures, which I thought was extremely petty. Like y'all could have left them up because they still made their mark. It was a very beautiful thing. Their wedding was beautiful. Her pregnancy was beautiful. She's beautiful. We miss her on suits, but it is what it is. I wish you guys the best. We're going to move on. Congratulations to Amanda Seals of The Real. Of The Real, yes. Yes. I know a lot of people don't fuck with Amanda Seals, but I followed her since she was a VJ on MTV before they got MTV2. No, it was MTV2. When they made MTV2, she was on Suck Free Sundays. Um, my brother and me... I followed her on YouTube for the longest when she was under the moniker of Amanda Diva. So I feel like I've just really watched this girl grow to be on Insecure. Um, 
and a lot of people don't know that she has been in this motherfucker for decades. So for as long as I've had a MySpace or anything like that, I've, I definitely found her. She has a Amanda Diva episodes where she portrays different characters. She did art. Um, and I, you know, like talk, I, before she was really up and coming, I used to speak to Amanda often on Twitter. Twitter was a beautiful place when it was up and coming. It's a different world now. Celebrities used to actually like interact with um with people on Twitter when it was a, a closed-knit community. Now I, I got my Twitter back in like either late 2008 or 2009 for sure, which is when Twitter kind of was brought to fruition. Uh, and I, I spoke to her often because she was not as popular as she is now. So I really have to send my congratulations out to Amanda Seals um, because she fucking did it, dog. Like she's she's did a slow grind. It didn't happen overnight. I could say that for her. And I know she says a lot of what people consider to be problematic things. And I don't agree with everything that Amanda has to say. I think she, um, she just gonna say what the fuck she wanna say. And I support that. I can't be mad at that. I'm happy for her. And I'm, I'm happy that she's gonna get on this show and challenge the fuck out of Lonnie Love. She said some shit the other day that pissed me off. She said something about black men not being faithful to black women because of whatever rhetoric she spits often now that she's got her white boyfriend. It is what it is, but I hope that Amanda is there to definitely swing the narrative and change the conversation when it comes to Lonnie. I felt like somebody did Lonnie wrong and I just want her to get back right. I feel like Amanda is going to make a lot of that cast uncomfortable and I'm okay with that. <laughs> she, you know, I'm okay with that. Um, I, want, I just wanted to congratulate her because having a primetime spot on a very popular show, not a lot of people act like the real ain't doing this thing, but the real is doing this thing. You know what I'm saying? It's good. I like it. I fucks with it. Um, so I think we're going we're gonna to close down shop right now. We'll be right back. All right, y'all. I wish I had something impactful and amazing to say, but what I will say to you guys is that I appreciate you. I hope you're doing your thing. We're a week into the new year. I hope you've at least start working on one of the things you said you was gonna accomplish for the year. I'm, I'm is, it's a slow start. I just came back to work this week. Everybody got on my nerves per the usual. I love them with all of my heart. But they be getting on my nerves. And, and and don't kill your work family, guys. Like I just said in the last episode, they really came in clutch, clutch for me um, when I was going through all the things I was going through. So now we're back in the sack and we're really just trying to reorganize and re, uh, make sure everybody is on their toes. And it's crazy. So don't, don't discredit your work family. We all going through shit, guys. And just try to make it work and work in cohesion with each other and just try not to kill each other. Um, so continue to work on those things that you feel make you better. Shout out to all my friends, my girlfriends, my tribe. I love y'all so much. Y'all know exactly who the fuck I'm talking to. Um, there's so many of my friends that are doing great, amazing things. So whenever I can big up, big up. <laughs> I'm Chet Hanks. Uh, anyways, <laughs> whenever I feel like I can big up my sisters and my brothers too, you know, y'all out here doing your thug sizzle. I see you. I see all y'all and I love it. Um, 
because we all got to come up and do this thing together. There's no use in hating on each other at all. Like for what? We're wasting time and energy with your hateration. We don't need that. Not in this dancery. We can't. We got to push forward. We got to continue to support each other. We got to continue to love up on each other. T check in on your fucking strong friend, please. If you hadn't done it lately, I just reminded you, go do that shit. We're still in the season. Suicide is up still. People are still in their dark spaces. People are dealing with, uh, you know, the post-holiday jitters and getting back into swing of life. And a lot of things might be a little bit overwhelming for people. So just make sure, make sure you check in on your strong friend. The one that's always laughing. The one that's uppity, or not uppity, happy, um, bubbly. Check in on them, everyone. Send them a text. You know, I sent the text to one of my friends the other day. And I think it's the wrong number, so I'm not gonna shade her. I'm not gonna put her name out there. You know, and talk about if you got it. Um, but one of my friends kind of fell off. She takes breaks from time to time. She gets off of her Facebook, and I gotta go pop through. I gotta be like, girl, where you at? You know. And I see her on Twitter sometimes, so I'll be like, okay. As long as I see her doing her thing, and you gotta know, if you don't know this and you feel alone, and somebody hasn't reached out to you in a while. Know that there's a me out there. Know that there's a me who who will go and at least tap into that Jogo bird shit <laughs> and at least see if you're amongst the living. And at least, because I do that. Uh, like my friend, she's not really trying to indulge in her feelings like that. So I know, well, I know my friend. So I, she's not going to indulge. She doesn't really want to talk about that shit. Um, so I'm not going to ask her any intimate questions unless I feel the need to if she's putting herself in harm's way. Then I will have absolute the moral courage to do so. Um, but if I just think that I need to check in on her real quick, I'll just go check and see if she's been active in a while. And it puts my soul at ease. And then when I feel like she's open to conversation, then I will engage with her because I feel like I kind of know she's in a better space, but that's also kind of dangerous because you don't want to be, I'm one of those people, check my anxiety, man, <laughs> where you don't want to feel like, well, maybe I should have said something then. Follow your heart, guys, but that's just me. Um, you know your friends, right? And so just make sure you check in on them in the best way you can. So for me, if it's checking your newsfeed, then just make sure you've been active after a little while and you haven't been, I'll do that. I won't press for you. Depending on your attitude and your personality and things like that, it depends. There are certain people who I absolutely feel the need. I got to go say, hey, I was thinking about you. Um, uh, how are you doing? How are the kids doing? Um, those, There are people. I kind of know my friends to know which one I need to really tap on the shoulder every once in a while and just see, hey, girl, what's up? Hey, dude. Hey, what, how you been? What's going on? How you living? Um, so just do that, you know? I want to shout out. Oh, I want to shout out this week. I don't know. She. I don't think she listens. I'm not going to say. I didn't say it like that. But I don't know if she listens to this. But there's one of my friends that I don't know. But I know her from some Facebook groups that we are closely connected with. Her name is Cynthia Porto. Porto? Ooh, I don't want to mess that up. But she reached out to me a few times and DM'd me and just gave me great spirits uh, while I was going through some really rough times. And she also has this cake business and I feel like I should have had this shit pulled up and I just really want to help her get business. <laughs> I believe she's based out of Southern California, but um, let me look up her Facebook page real quick. Give me a second. Yes, Cynthia Porta. Um, 
Let me see if she has a business page. Oh no, guys make business pages. Again, I think I'm going, what I want to do is, um, what I want to do is start helping you guys out with advertising. And you know, my numbers is all right. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Send me a script at, so there's that podcast at Gmail at, yes. So there's that podcast at Gmail. Send me a script. Tell me what you want me to fucking say, dog. I'm going to say that shit for free, free of charge. Who am I out here to be charging y'all? This is friendship. This is help. This is support. If I could put the name out there into the atmosphere, I will. I'll do the same thing for my Facebook page and Instagram. Send me a script of how you want to be seen out here in this universe. Let me know. Okay. And and I'll help you guys out. I genuinely want my platform to be a platform to somebody else. Um, if you need me to share your shit, tell me to share your shit. I will. I'll do it with a drop of dime. You need me see, you need me to say a few nice words about it. I will. You're my sister. You're my brother. I want to help you succeed. I want to be someone who is genuine in being very happy to see your come up. I want to see it. You know what? It makes me happy. And so, like I said, um, go ahead before you close out this episode, follow me if you haven't on uh, at, at, on Instagram at so there's that pod, and also you can follow me at Keith the Kentucky on Facebook, which we just reached 1,000 likes. I don't, I feel really weird about that. I don't care about that, but the more likes, the more listens, hopefully. And uh, so I really, en- I really hope that you guys enjoyed this episode. <laughs> I had a great time. Um, recording this one. I really, I feel good. (laughs) I feel good about this one, guys. Um, So we will hopefully see you sometime next week. One of these days, we're going to have one set fucking day of release. And we're going to release them hoes. And you're going to be ready. But right now, it's going to be a surprise. We in surprise mode. Surprise! (laughs) You got a new episode today. So there's that, guys. You enjoy your weekend and stay safe.